Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Father, thank you so much for your words that were, Lord, inspired into those who spoke them and then faithfully recorded for us so that today we can be just like we were there. Thank you, Lord, for doing this for us. Teach us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Ruth chapter 3, verse 18, where it says, Speaking here is Naomi, and she's speaking to Ruth, and it says, Then said she, Sit down, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall. Sit down, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall, for the man will not be in rest until he have finished the thing this day. Now, when we come, as we have been here studying here, and we come to verse 18 of Ruth chapter 3, we're at a really the most critical time in Ruth's life. I mean, Ruth has had many, many critical times, many, many critical times, many, many critical times in Ruth's life by the time she arrives to verse 18. So she's had a critical time when she watched the patriarch of the family, her father-in-law, die. And she went through all of that trauma. She watched as her own husband died in the country of Moab, her country. She watched her brother-in-law die. This was just, she's gone through many critical times. She watched her, she, when, when her husband died, she realized, I don't have any children. I don't have any children. I'm childless, which is a tragedy. She went through that. She went through a critical time when her mother-in-law, the only one that she was clinging to, decided to try to push her back to Moab as she was deciding to go back to Israel, a place where Ruth had never been before. And she did everything. Her mother-in-law, Naomi, did everything to try to persuade Ruth, go back, go back to your parents. Look, you get another chance to get married again, et cetera, et cetera. She watched all that. She went through this critical time when she entered into Israel as a member of Israel's sworn enemy, the Moabites, She went through this critical time when she had to go out alone into fields to try to get food amongst men who despised her for being a Moabite. She went through a critical time when her mother-in-law, when Naomi, pushed her out of the house and told her to go at night down to a threshing floor where the men slept, find Boaz, and essentially propose to Boaz. This is all very, very tense. But all these critical times Ruth has gone through in her life so far, This is the most critical time right now. This is the time that seems to have just rocked Ruth as a person. After all that she's went through, she was very content 
to spend the rest of her life as a widow taking care of Naomi, and now she knows there's some other man that she doesn't even know that she might become married to. So you can imagine she's in a state of extreme anxiety. Anxiety. She's anxious. And it's when Ruth is in this extreme state of mind here that Naomi makes this marvelous statement that we're studying here, and it's so profound. It's so profound, verse 18, when it says, In this state of mind, then said she, sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall for the man, Boaz. For the man will not be in rest until he have finished the thing this day. Verse 18, this verse 18 that Naomi is speaking to Ruth, it's so rich in meaning. And in our last study, you may remember that we focused on one aspect where Naomi said to Ruth, The man will not be in rest. We focused on that. The man will not be in rest. We talked about how that was good that the man was not in rest. That's Boaz. It was a good thing that Boaz would not be in rest. And we talked about how Boaz had what we termed as a holy anxiety. He had a holy anxiety. And then we looked in scriptures at two other holy anxieties anxieties that are good anxieties, there's a holy anxiety over being lost, over being knowing that you're separated from God, over being, over knowing that hell is awaiting you after death, that judgment, you're not going to fare well in judgment, that's a holy anxiety, and that holy anxiety is good because it leads a person to seek God with all the heart and find him because he says, get anxious about it. And seek me with all of your heart in Jeremiah 29, 13. Jeremiah 29, 13, because he has a promise. You shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart, with all your heart. So the first holy anxiety is over being lost, is over being separated from God, is over not being saved from sin. So the first holy anxiety is over being lost. The second holy anxiety is over the lost, over the lost. It's the picture of the hen that is anxious for her chicks and is gathering them, where a person through holy anxiety is led to become a fervent intercessor. And that's what we saw in Romans 9, 1 through 3, Romans 9, 1 through 3. I say the truth in Christ, but this is very anxious talk. I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bear me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, for I could wish myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. That's, that's anxiety. So in verse 18, we saw that Naomi was telling Ruth there that Boaz had this holy anxiety over redeeming Ruth, and that was a good anxiety. But in verse 18, Naomi is also telling Ruth that, look, Ruth, I see you are anxious. I see you are anxious. And when she said to Ruth, sit still, she was saying to Ruth that, Ruth, you don't have a holy anxiety. You don't have a holy anxiety. So on one hand, Naomi was telling Ruth that Boaz had a holy or good anxiety that he should and he would pursue, which was Ruth's redemption. But on the other hand, when Naomi told Ruth in verse 18 here, sit still, Naomi's telling Ruth, look, you've got an anxiety that's not good. So it's these two anxieties that are playing here. 
in verse 18, a bad anxiety and a good anxiety. Ruth's anxiety was bad. Boaz's anxiety was good. And that brings us in front of the issue that some anxieties are good, and those are holy anxieties. We call holy anxieties. Some anxieties are bad. So unholy anxieties. So what Naomi told to Ruth here was going to help us. It's going to help us in dealing when we have these unholy or bad anxieties. It's going to help us. So we put ourselves in the place of Ruth, and we see ourselves with an unholy anxiety, and that's not good. And we look on Naomi. We say, okay, Naomi, now help me with this bad anxiety. And this is where verse 18 comes in. And then she said, sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall. So in first thing, Ruth is being told to help her overcome her bad anxiety. Naomi wanted Ruth to especially listen to three words, the three words there where Naomi said to Ruth these three words, until thou know, until thou know. When Naomi said to Ruth, until thou know, she was saying to Ruth that what was going to happen, what was going to happen was already known, but it was not yet known to Ruth. It was the case of until thou know. It's already known, but Ruth, until you know. In other words, Naomi was saying to Ruth that what was going to happen to Ruth and who she was going to marry or not marry was already known and determined by God. It was already. And so God has already made this decision in heaven. And for Ruth, it's just a matter of her having to wait and see how God had decided this. And um, fortunately, unfortunately, getting a lot of experience here with California Superior Civil Court. But anyway, in California Civil Court, we make a motion and we write our motion to the judge and the judge sets a court date for the hearing. But the judge more often than not, has already decided. He's already made the decision before the hearing. So when we come to the hearing, it's really to find out what the judge has already decided. What Naomi was saying to Ruth here was that the great judge of the universe, the Lord, Jehovah Jesus, he's already decided this matter. And now it's just a matter of waiting to hear his decision. And when we think that we have, when we think that who we are and who God is, he's got the whole world on his hands, we think we've got the whole world on our shoulders and everything depends on us, so we get anxious. But when we see that what happens on earth has already been determined by God's decisions in heaven, that takes bad anxiety away. Sit still until thou know how the matter will fall. It's saying that the matter will fall on earth as it's been determined to fall in heaven. So when we see that what happens here on earth is determined by God already in heaven, that's going to drive us to put more emphasis to persistence in prayer in our lives. That's why the Lord Jesus, when he was speaking about prayer in Matthew 7, 7, Matthew 7, 7, he keeps repeating the same concept when he says, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man of there is there of you whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? Or if you then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him. See, this key, the key here to persisting prayer is found when he says, if ye then being evil 
know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Good, good, good. It's a subject here. The key here is believing how good God is, how good the Father is. If we believe that the Father is good, then we will pray more to him. We will come more. We will ask more. We will seek more. We will knock more. Now, what Ruth was hearing here from Naomi, when she was hearing, sit still, sit still. Now, when you read that, that Naomi told Ruth there, sit still, you might think that, well, maybe she's just saying to her, you know, relax, chill out, kick back, you know, <laughs> take a bath, you know, just go into a passive mode. But really, when Naomi said to Ruth, sit still, she's not saying to Ruth to become passive. She's not saying that. It's just the opposite. Because what Naomi was telling Ruth is the same as what Peter said in 1 Peter 5, 7. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. That's not a call to be passive. As a matter of fact, that verse is describing two activities, two very active works. First, there is the active work that we do, and that's called caring, casting all your care on him. That's the first one. That's a very active work. It's a continuous tense, so keep on casting, keep on casting, keep on casting. It's a very active word where we cast our care on God. The fact that the word is casting, it shows that we have to be doing this in a constant active process, not just one time, but we have to keep on casting our care on God. That's our work. That's our work. That's what we do. When we sit still, that's an active work of casting. But there's another work. There's another work. And this is really described as God's work. God's work is, for he careth for you. Again, same tense. This continuous here again. God is not passive, but very actively caring for us. Just as much as we go on continuously casting our care upon him, God goes on continually caring for us. That's why it's not true to say, well, if I don't care for myself, who's going to care? No one will care for me. That's not true. Because God is constantly caring for us. When a person says that, you know, if I don't care for myself, no one will care for me. Then God says, what am I, chopped liver? I mean, what am I doing here, you know? So Naomi is telling Ruth that she had done her part. She had done her part, and now she needs to cast her care on God, and now it's time to recognize that God is going to do his part in caring for Ruth. So when Naomi is telling Ruth, sit still, Naomi is really saying to Ruth, just leave God alone right now. Leave God alone in his work to care for you. Believe that he's going to care for you. Depend that he's going to care for you. Rely that he's going to care for you, but leave him alone. And after we've cast our care on God, it's time for us to sit still and just leave God alone to do his work of caring for us. So this verse in 1 Peter 5, 7, 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you, is really important to see in the context of the two verses that sandwich this verse in 1 Peter together because the full context is 1 Peter 5, 6 through 8. 1 Peter 5, 6 through 8 says, humble yourselves, therefore 
under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. So in this verse, we are told, first of all, before we even get to the casting care part, he says, be humble, humble yourselves. That shows that we will only cast our care on God when we have humbled ourselves or after we have humbled ourselves. We cannot cast our care on God unless we humble ourselves and if we are proud and if we're thinking that we're really great and then we're not gonna be casting our care on God, but pride's gonna lead us to believe that we can take care of it ourselves. Thank you very much, I don't need God's help. See, so that has to be dealt with right away and that's the humble ourselves. So the verses read that we should first humble ourselves, then cast our care on God because the verse after that explains that the devil is a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. That's showing us that if we hold on to pride and don't cast our care on God, we set ourselves up to be attacked by the devil. And that description, very, very graphic, of the devil walking about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour because the devil is just like the red-tailed hawk and he's watching us, seeking who he can devour. And if we don't humble ourselves and cast our care on God, we make ourselves vulnerable to attack by the devil. Now, verse 18 starts off and it says, then said she. So, you know, who is this? Of course, this is Naomi speaking. Who's Naomi? Well, Naomi is older than Ruth. Ruth was very wise to listen to Naomi. She's like her mother, she calls him daughter. She's like her elder, because Naomi has brought a lot of wisdom to this table. And Ruth respected that wisdom that came from Naomi's vast experiences of life. You know, when people are younger and they're trying to build a family or they're trying to build a career or they're trying to build a business, they just don't have time to sit down and pass on wisdom. But when they get old, you know, then they have time and the experience to pass on what they've learned. You know, that reminds me of 20 years ago when we given the responsibility to manufacture the first response pregnancy test. And we had never made a product like that before. And we didn't have a building to make it in. We didn't have technology to use. We didn't have people to do it. Apart from that, we were perfect. <laughs> and we had another big problem, which was always had, and that is that, you know, when we hired 20-year-olds, or people in their 20s, right out of school, you know, they're not real stable. And they don't stay long because, you know, they think that they're Einstein and they got to go, you know, find the Nobel Prize someplace else. And so here we have this new operation of manufacturing first response, and we can't have that. You know, we got to learn and stay, you know. So Deanna Huerta, who was in charge of the project, was very, very wise because she knew that she had to build a stable workforce that would not quit and move on in their quest and move up to more of the corporate ladder. So she did something absolutely brilliant for her employees. She went to retirement homes and hired 80-year-olds. <laughs> it was unbelievable. <laughs> and some of them didn't even drive. We had to send a van to go get them. And they were just so happy to have a job again. They were so happy to have purpose again in life. And even though the job started at 8 a.m., they were showing up at 6 a.m. They just wanted to sit in the break room and eat donuts and drink coffee and just enjoy. I'm a valued member of a workforce again. 
And they never quit. They never quit. They died, but that was a different problem. But they had this wisdom from their years of experience. And then we did hire 20-year-olds, and we saw something wonderful take place. And that was the 80-year-olds who were working on alongside of the 20-year-olds, they began to treat the 20-year-olds like sons and daughters and pass on wisdom. It was great. It was just great. And what the older ones know about situations in life is when to stop worrying over a situation because you're not going to change it. And when to not be depressed over a situation. And when to not be over-anxious, over-eager over a situation. When to not lag behind in what you need to be doing and when to not take on too much. That's wisdom. That's what the 80-year-olds had. Naomi was passing on this kind of wisdom to Ruth. Valuable advice when she told her, at this time, Ruth, you need to just sit still. So when Naomi told Ruth to sit still, Naomi was saying to Ruth, Ruth, you need to realize that you're only in the middle of it. You're only in the middle of it. On one hand, Boaz is at work. On your other hand, God is at work. And you're just in the middle Bad anxieties will lose their grip on us when we see that we're like Ruth, just in the middle, just in the middle, with a situation on one hand and then God on the other hand, and we're in the middle. So when Naomi told Ruth, sit still, she was saying to Ruth, Ruth, life has a plan. Life has a purpose, and it's meant to shape us. Don't forget about God. Don't forget about God who's called the potter in Isaiah 64, 8, Isaiah 64, 8. But now, O Lord, thou art our father. We are the clay, and thou art potter, and we are all the work of thy hand. See, we're just wet clay on a wheel, and God is forming us and shaping us by the situation. So Naomi's saying, Stid still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall. Sounds so uncertain when you say the matter will fall. How the matter will fall, you say fall, That's how it looks to me, all right, just as uncertain as something falling. But what looks to us as uncertain as falling is really as certain as God has already determined exactly where that matter is going to fall. It'll fall exactly where God has determined and decided it's going to fall. Now, in verse 18, when Naomi speaks to Ruth, we can just picture Naomi in a motherly fashion, holding Ruth in close. Come on, Ruth, get close to me. Look at me. And and she's pulling Ruth in and she's saying, Ruth, my daughter, the man will not be in rest until he has finished this day. As Naomi does this, we can see Naomi looking right into the eyes of Ruth. And as she does this, we can see Naomi just really conveying a certain message to Ruth. I mean, it's not written here, but you, you get this really strong message because she's saying, Ruth, I know this man. I know this man. Ruth, I know Boaz. And from what I know about Boaz, I can tell you that he will not be in rest until he has finished this thing this day. You're going to know the outcome this day because I know Boaz. That's what she's saying. Now, that's quite a statement where Naomi was saying to Ruth that she knew Boaz. As a matter of fact, Naomi was really able to comfort Ruth and take away her anxiety because Naomi knew Boaz. I mean, you know, Ruth could have said to, to Naomi, really? 
Really, Naomi? Do you really know Boaz that well that you can tell me that he's going to finish this matter today? Do you really know Boaz that well, Naomi? And this is where Naomi could step right back in and say, yes, Ruth, I really do know Boaz. And I'm telling you that because I know him so well, I know he's going to finish this matter this day. See, the more that Naomi did know about Boaz, the more that Naomi was able to comfort Ruth. Ruth was helped because Naomi's knowledge of Boaz. And Ruth received this help because Naomi Naomi made the decision to tell Ruth about what she knew about Boaz. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Christmas Under the Stars is back at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Christmas Under the Stars is a free family Christmas program on Saturday, December 9th from 3 p.m. to 8 p.m. Enjoy a live nativity, Christmas carolers, cookie decorating, ornament design, games, rides, petting zoos, and a dinosaur garden of lights. Family Christmas photos, holiday fair food, and astronomer star viewing and presentation by astronomer Spike Saris. And a Christmas message by Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor and Free Creation Museum admission on Saturday, December 9th from 3 p.m. to 9 p.m. For more information about Christmas Under the Stars and Dinosaurs at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California, on Saturday, December 9th from 3 p.m. to 9 p.m., call us at 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or visit the Creation Museum online at creationsd.org. That's creationsd.org.